You know, when we have to wait for something longer than we expect, we have this tendency to give up. So I'm sure this would not happen to anyone in this room, but I've heard it's happened before that people order their Christmas gifts online too late. And so maybe you, you, you order something and you want it personalized, monogrammed, whatever, and it tells you, you know, online, it says it's going to take like three to five business days. You just need to know, this is a public service announcement, okay, this is, you just need to know, this is the time of year when it often takes longer than what they predicted. So you just need to allow extra time. But let's just say hypothetically that someone did not allow enough time, and so they run out of time, that you're getting to the end of the week, and it's almost Christmas Day, and you're thinking, this isn't going to come. So I'm going to have to punt, I'm going to have to give up, I'm going to have to go to Walmart and I'm going to buy, you know, a troll Chia Pet or something like that, just so they have something to open, right? I, I don't know about you, we, we've had a couple of house uh, repairs done at times where a company will come in and they'll diagnose what needs to be wrong or what's wrong and what needs to, uh, to be fixed. And they'll say, okay, we've ordered the part now and now we're waiting on the part. And we've had that happen a few times where we've waited for so long for the part and it, they just keep pushing the date back further and further that we just said, forget it. I mean, you're, you're fired and we're going to find another company that comes in and, and gets it done. Uh, there's this tendency to give up sometimes if we have to wait too long. Uh, our, our waiting stretches our patience. It's kind of like a rubber band, right? So it stretches our patience and there reaches a point where it breaks and our patience breaks, we give up, we say, I've had it, it's done. The only thing about that is when we give up, then we never get to reach that moment when it all comes together. I don't know about you, sometimes I find myself waiting on God. Sometimes He takes longer than I expect Him to, to take. And so I'll, I'll find a, a promise, I'll, I'll read something, sometimes something jumps off the page at me, and I'll be like, man, this is awesome. And so I'm going to start praying about this, I want to pray this into my life, I want to experience this in my life. And when I, when I do that, like, I'm wanting, like, second day delivery. I just, I want it to happen, like, like that, and very rarely does that happen. Had an experience earlier this year related to this, like, grabbing hold of a promise. The Lord was just impressing on me to spend time in John chapter 15. Some of you are familiar with John 15, abiding in the vine and God nourishing us, giving us energy, giving us life, making us fruitful. And so I was just spending a lot of time thinking about that. And the Lord was allowing me to experience that in a way that I hadn't experienced before. It was so cool. And I was like, it's like, God, this is all about you. And Jesus, I just want more of you in my life. It's less of me, more of you. And so I got to experience that. The Lord let me experience that for a month or so, and then I don't know what happened. I, you know, maybe I got busier, or I got preoccupied with something else, had some difficult things happening, and, and little by little, that experience started to kind of fade, and that's been gone now for a couple months. It's back to more like, it's more about me than it is about Jesus, and I'm just wrestling with this. And recently, the Lord's been impressing me to come back to that again. Dave, come back to it again. John chapter 15, just let God fill you up. And, and here's where I'm at is the waiting. It's like, I want it to happen now. I want it to happen immediately. Maybe you have something in your life like that. You want it to happen immediately. And, and sometimes uh, God is just on a different timetable. 
And that's what we're going to look at this morning, is, is a character trait of God that he operates on a different timetable than we do. And, and to be very honest with you, that kind of annoys me sometimes. Some, some, some of you are in situations, I know right now, where you're, you're waiting on something. And you're waiting on God for something. You're, you're hoping and praying and waiting for God to bring resolution and reconciliation in a conflict that you're experiencing in, in your life. You're waiting on God for a provision in your life. You're like, God, I don't know how we're going to meet this need. So I'm praying to you and I'm asking you to do this. Or I'm asking you to lead me to a job. And it's just, it's, it's taking longer than we expected. Maybe you're longing and you're asking God to fill a lonely spot in your heart and it's taking longer than you expected. We're going to look this morning in Scripture an example of, of someone who was waiting longer than, than they expected. And their example is going to inspire us when we're in that same kind of situation. Not to give up, but to, to hold on just a little bit longer. Would you take a Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there's some there at your seat. 947 is where you will find Luke chapter 1. We're starting a, a new series called The Heart of Christmas, and we're looking at four different individuals or groups of, of people and their hearts, the kind of hearts that God comes to in, in the Christmas season for the first Christmas and even for us today. And what we're going to find over the course of this month is that they're very ordinary people, not supernatural people. Jesus is the one who was supernatural coming at Christmas, but all the people surrounding him are just ordinary people like you and me, but God does extraordinary things in them and through them. So we're going to look at these different kinds of hearts. Today, we're looking at a couple who had waiting hearts. They're, they're waiting longer than expected for something that was very important to them. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So here you have this couple, Zechariah, Elizabeth. They're, they are infertile. They are not able to have a child, even though that's something their hearts desperately long for. Waiting for a child is something, it's a great example of many things in life that we have very little control over. We have a few more options today than Zechariah and Elizabeth had uh, 2,000 years ago, but still, even today, we, we have very little control over that. When, when we were in graduate school, my wife had a, a really good friend uh, they were about our age, and they had just been married, and they were really longing to, to have a child, and they discovered that they, they were infertile. And so they started going through all this testing, all this treatment. They did in vitro fertilization. None of it worked, and they, were so, they invested so much time, uh, even, even money, so much investment in that, and, and God just did not answer that prayer for them in that way. And so they, they came to a point of, okay, we're giving up on this. 
And then later on, the Lord allowed them to conceive and they had, they had children without any intervention. So who knows how God's timetable works, but we know that we have very little control over a lot of these things in our lives that we wait for and long for. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth are, are waiting for these things. And, and don't miss the fact that it says in verse 6 that they were righteous before God. They're walking blamelessly. So that doesn't mean that they were perfect. That doesn't mean that they were sinless, because there's only been one sinless human being to walk the earth, and that was Jesus. So they weren't sinless, but what it means is that they were righteous. They were pursuing what God wanted them to do in their lives. And I, I, I like to think, I would love to think, that if I'm pursuing God and wanting to do what he wants me to do, that he's just going to bless me, and he's going to make happen the things that I think are the good things in, in my life. And what we see here is that that's not always the, the case. And yet, they were holding on to their righteousness, walking blamelessly before God, even though they didn't have a child. And they're just going on with their life. They're going on serving the Lord. That's where we find Zechariah in verse 8. Now, while Zechariah was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So we need to pause here for a second, and we need to understand what's going on in the religious life of, of Israel at this point, to understand the significance of this. So there was this hour of incense where they, they would come and they would make sure that the incense was burning in the temple. They had this amazing, beautiful temple where they worshipped, and they kept incense burning constantly. That incense was a, a picture of prayer. Um, in, in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation, it talks about uh, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the, the saints. And Psalms says, in, in the Psalms, one of the psalmists says, that I, I lift my prayers before you as incense. Incense is kind of a picture of our prayers going up to God, the sweet aroma. God loves to hear his people pray. And so they constantly kept incense burning in, in the temple. And the way this worked was Zechariah was part of the priests, the priestly di division. He was one of actually 18,000 priests in his day. And so what they would do is they, they would choose by lot who gets to go in because there's so many priests. It's literally a once in a lifetime opportunity to get to go in and add more incense, clean up what's in there, make sure it's still burning. And so this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So he's, he is chosen by lot to go in there. And so let's read on and see what happens. Verse 11. While he's in there, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, 
And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So let's pause here for a second and just try to wrap our minds around what was going on for Zechariah in this moment. Okay. So he's thinking, this is a pretty big day. This, this is like a high watermark for him to be able to go in and, and, and tend this incense. And he just thinks, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just, I'm going to go, I'm going to show up, I'm going to do my thing. And lo and behold, a, an angel appears, and it says that he was terrified in, in, verse, uh, in verse 12. It says that he was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. He's, he is very scared. I mean, he's thinking... I thought I was coming in here to do incense. This was not in the priest handbook. Not sure what to do, you know, with this angelic uh, appearance. And the angel says, your prayer has been heard. Now, um, Zechariah is there on behalf of the nation. So he's probably praying a number of things. And I imagine one of those had to do with the coming of Messiah. Praying, Lord, please send your Messiah. Please send the deliverer. That the longing for a Messiah was at a fever pitch at this point in Israel's history. They were being occupied by Rome. They had armies there. They had very little freedom. They were paying these oppressive taxes. Everywhere they looked, they saw desecration, where it was supposed to be worship of the one true God. The Romans are bringing in all of their other gods, and they're just thinking, this is an awful, awful situation. God, would you send your deliverer? Would you send the the Messiah? So undoubtedly, he's there praying on behalf of the nation, along with this multitude who's outside praying, God, send your deliverer. But that was not the only thing he was praying, because in verse 13, the the angel says, Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So God is going to answer their personal prayer. At the same time, he's going to answer their prayer for their nation and, and their longing for, for their nation. He's going to fulfill a prophecy. This is no ordinary child. It's going to fulfill a prophecy that comes at the very end of the Hebrew Scriptures in Malachi chapter 3. These are the last words of the Old Testament. There's going to be 400 years of silence after these words. Behold, I, send you, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Did you catch that in what the angel said in verse 17? That the angel is quoting this prophecy saying, this is it. That prophecy that was made so long ago. This is the child that will go before the Messiah in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and make ready this people prepared for the Lord. So this is exciting stuff. I mean, this is a, this is a watershed day, but Zechariah is thinking, this all sounds great, but you just gotta know, Angel, uh, my wife and I, we're at the wrong end of this timeline. I mean, we're, we're a little too old for this. Verse 18, let's see how he responds. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. 
And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. <laughs> okay, so a little bit of a spanking here from, from the angel. You know, he's, he's coming with this great news, and he says, I'm not withdrawing, I'm not withdrawing the blessing, so the, but there's going to be a discipline. Okay, you're still going to be able to have this child, but you're not going to be able to tell anybody about it. Have you ever had something that's so exciting that you can't wait to tell somebody about it? Have you ever had a situation where you're like, okay, you know, I can't wait to get home from work and, and tell my family that I got a raise today? Or if you're in school, you're like, I can't wait to call my parents and tell them how well I did on this exam. I mean, just news that's just bursting out of you. I mean, that's what's happening for Zachariah. He can't wait to tell us, and he can't. He's, that's, that's the discipline. And I have to say, when I read this, I'm thinking, God, you know, isn't this a little harsh? Because after all, I mean, they are past the timeline. I mean, they're, they're older. I mean, isn't it reasonable to think, okay, they, they kind of need a little extra here. I mean, what Zechariah is asking for here is a sign in verse 18. When he says, how shall I know this? He's asking for a sign. Gabriel says, I am Gabriel I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to bring you this good news. Gabriel says, I am the sign, Zechariah. You don't need any more than, than me, and I'm bringing you this message. And if it seems a little harsh that God would discipline him in the midst of this, it, it just serves to remind us that, that we need to trust God's timeline. That we need to not take it on ourselves to think that we need to figure things out. And if God says something, then it's going to come true. Even if it doesn't seem to work, we need to trust God's timeline. See, Zechariah is not the only one struggling with God's timeline. In verse 21, this is a key verse. This is probably the key verse in this whole passage. It says the people, remember all the people outside praying? The people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. So they're, they're probably worrying a little bit right now because they're, they're worried for Zechariah's safety. And the reason they're probably worried for him because it's taking longer than normal. I mean, they see this happen every day, so they know about how long it should take, and he's taking a lot longer. The reason they're worried for his safety is because once a year, the high priest would go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies. This is a step beyond where Zechariah is at, in the holy place. But they would go into the Holy of Holies, and there was such an edge, such a little bit of fear, a righteous fear of God in that, that if that if that high priest were to mess up what he's doing there in the most holy place, God may discipline him with death. So they would tie bells around their feet so that they could hear if they're still in there moving around. And they would tie a rope around their feet so that if they heard the bells stop, they're going to pull what they expect to be a body out of there because that person incurred God's judgment because there's such a high standard there. So we can understand why people are like, they're wondering why, I mean, what's taking Zechariah so long? Did he do something wrong? But there's another layer, I think, 
deeper than even they're waiting for Zechariah. I think it's, it's fair to maybe substitute a word in here because these people are praying and waiting in verse 21 and say, the people were waiting for God and they were wondering at his delay. The people are wondering, God, what, what is taking so long to send this promised Messiah? There, there's two words that I want to point out here that are so important for us as we wrestle with the things that we are waiting for. In verse 21, when it, when it says, they were wondering at his delay, that word delay in the Greek is chronizo. We get our word chronology or chronological from it. That, that's a word for time, and that has to do with the passing of time. It has to do with time on your watch. Minutes are passing by. And that's the kind of time we typically operate in. I mean, we're thinking about the next thing that's coming up on our calendar. We're thinking, am I going to be able to get all of this stuff done in the time that I have? Is this guy going to stop preaching in time so that we can get home and have our lunch? I mean, it, that's the time that we think in terms of. But there's another word for time in this passage, and that's what the angel says in verse 20 when he says, you will be silent, unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. That's a different word. It's kairos. See, kairos time is God's timetable. We live in chronology. God lives in Kairos, which is a time that's outside of, a lot of times, our perspective. And so he's bringing about things in his timeline. Notice that the angel says, my words will come true in their time. Not your time, not my time. It's God's timing. And so as you and I wrestle with the timing in our lives, we, we need to just trust God's timeline. When, when we give up on God's timeline, when, he, when it stretches us beyond our limit, we, we miss out on his blessing if we give up. Undoubtedly, there were a bunch of people who had given up on God. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of people there praying, but there's a bunch of people who are not praying. They, they've given up. They're like, man, this is, this is taking too long. The situation is too difficult um, our, this Roman army, they've got to go, we'll just take matters into our own hands. We'll just do it our way. When we give up and don't trust God's timeline, we, we miss the blessing. You know, uh, Steve mentioned about the foyer, that we see progress out there in the foyer, and it's, it's still not quite done, but it's almost done. Can I just tell you, we started talking about that over a year ago, I mean, that's not my timeline. Like, my timeline to get that done was like, okay, let's have it done by last year, this time. But God's timeline was different on that. And, and so in the process, as we waited, we got several of you involved to bring your expertise to the project and, and to give your input to that's making it much better than it would have been if we had rushed it a, a year ago. God brought more funding for that to, to be able to complete it. And so it's going to be awesome when it's done. And it didn't get done in my chronological timeline, but it's getting done in God's Kairos timeline. And there's things that are much more significant even than that going on as we set goals and vision for our future as a church. And I dare say that those things that we 
pray for and long for God to do oftentimes are going to take place in a different timeline than what I might want or you might want. But God is working his timeline and we need to to trust him in that. And not to give up. Because Zechariah and Elizabeth did not give up. They were able to enjoy God's blessing. And we see that as we finish out this passage, verse 22. When Zechariah came out, He was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them. He got all Italian on them, and he he remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Maybe you are waiting on something this morning that's taking much longer than than you expected. And the question uh, that you have to wrestle with is, am I going to give up or am I going to hold on? I just want to make two suggestions to you as as you think about this. The the first is to to ask yourself the question, is, is what I'm trusting God for, is the promise that I'm trusting God for something that he actually said? Because God is not obligated to deliver something that you just want. God only obligates himself to deliver what he has promised. And so you may be waiting for a a specific person to do something in your life. You may be waiting for a specific person to fill that empty spot in your life. You may be waiting for a specific job that you just really believe this is what God wants for me. I I don't know about all those things, all those specific things that are going to fill in. Here's what I do know is that God promises to meet your needs. He promises to walk with you through whatever situation you are in. We we need to discern between what God has actually promised and just what we want. Because God will deliver on what he has promised. And then secondly, we we need to to determine and ask, am I I trusting? If, If this is something that God has promised, then am I trusting in his timeline? God is not obligated to deliver his promise to you on your timeline. God is obligated to deliver his promise on his timeline, which may look different than yours and mine. There there is example after example in Scripture that we see of people who had to wait longer than they expected. You and I should not expect anything different in our lives. So Abraham and Sarah waited longer than they expected for God to fulfill a promise of a son. Um, uh, Joseph, Old Testament Joseph, spent time in jail. He spent years and years and years waiting in jail. He had a dream that God had given him that he was one day going to rule, but he had to wait in jail for over a decade for that to come true. God anointed David to be king. He had to wait 13, 14 years while a crazy king is like trying to kill him. It took longer than he expected. The, the, the Hebrew people were enslaved for 400 years before God brought them to the, the promised land. They waited, the, the people of Israel waited in silence for another 400 years after prophecies ended before Jesus came. Sometimes God operates on a totally different timeline 
than, than you and I do. And, and some of us, quite honestly, need to, to repent and tell God we're sorry for our demands of him operating on my timeline and doing, doing it the way I think it should be done. We're, we, some of us, myself included, at times malign God's character and think of him as being unfaithful when in fact he's just operating on a different timeline. When you say, God, I'm sorry for demanding that you do your thing in my timeline. I, I need to submit myself to, to your will and your timeline. So we wait. We, we wait for God and we pray for him to intervene in our situations, our personal situations, just as Zechariah and Elizabeth did. They were praying for a son. We also pray and we yearn for, we long for a Messiah to come and save us. I, the, the unstable world that we live in, I, I look around at, at this world and some, some days I, I really just want to weep. And I, because I, I think of my kids and I think of my kids' kids and I think, what is this world going to look like in another 15 years? And I say, come, come, Lord Jesus, come. Would, I, what, what's taking you so long? Would you hurry it up, please? But Peter says, says this in, in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, don't overlook this fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. He does not operate in chronos time. He operates in kairos time. And, and this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, as you and I count slowness. But he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Can I just say, I know there's probably a lot of people in this room along with me that are really longing for and looking forward to the day when Jesus is going to come and he's going to set everything right. And we want it to happen like right, right now. Can I just suggest to you that's a little bit selfish, honestly. We want it to happen now because we're ready. There are a lot of people who are not ready for that day. And God says, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm tarrying, because I want more people to come to know me. And so the world will get worse, and we will wait longer, but that's a good thing because there are more people that need to be reached with the good news of Christ. We have an opportunity this Friday as we have one winter night uh, coming up. We have an opportunity to invite people to that, to, to take a step closer to being introduced to our Savior. Let's take advantage of that and invite people to, to, to that event, invite them to uh, church on, on, uh, during this month of December, invite them to Christmas Eve services. People tend to be more open to that. There, we, we want as many people, when, when Jesus does come, here's the question, when Jesus does come, First of all, the question is, will, will you and I be waiting and praying and holding on to faith like those people outside of the temple were waiting and still holding on to hope? He's, he's telling us to hold on. And then we want to bring as many people with us as possible on that day when he comes. We want people to be populating heaven. We need to trust his timeline. Let's pray. Um, Father, give us strength uh, in our, our limited awareness, in our limited scope of vision. 
We, in so many ways, want for things to happen faster than they often do. And so, Lord, give us strength. Give us patience to trust in you. I pray for the person who's here this morning who's, who's been waiting and longing, and they feel like they're waiting so long that their, their rubber band is about to stretch and break. Lord, I pray that you give them spiritual strength to keep holding on and discernment to understand if the promise that they're holding on to is even from you or if they need to, to go back to your word and back to your scripture and find promises that you have actually made and hold on to, to those. Lord, we live in a, in a difficult world and we long for the day when Jesus is going to come and set everything right. He, he came the first time to begin his work of transformation and reconciliation and to make our salvation possible. We look forward to the day when he's going to come back and complete that work and do away with all sin. But Lord, as we wait for that day, may we be faithful to keep our eyes fixed on you, to keep our faith firmly based in you, and, and to be serving and, and looking for opportunities around us to bring people with us to heaven, to introduce them to the Savior who has come. We pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.